on guard. Pray. Ale. Welcome to the Tokyo 2020 Fencing Podcast. It's episode 22 and we're going to be talking all about the Vancouver Men's Epe World Cup. I'm Karim and joining me as ever, it's Dave. It's really hotting up, isn't it now? Oh, Men's Epe teams. Can't wait, Bash. Oh, it's amazing, amazing stuff. Well, let's get cracking straight into it. Going into Vancouver, France, Switzerland, Italy and Ukraine held the top four team qualification spots. Of course, that's provisional as things stand, uh, with Hungary, China, the USA and Egypt holding the zonal spots. Uh, in terms of the individual qualifiers going into Vancouver, Sergei Bida and Baz Vavine held the European spots. Masaru Yamada and Park Sang-yong held the Asian spots, with Ruben Lamado Gascon with a Pan Am spot and Hussein El Khord with the African zonal spot. We're going to start with the teams, Dave, as ever, because that sort of gives us a reference point for the individuals, which uh, obviously happened the other way around in Vancouver. But uh, it was a big win for Korea. Uh, they beat Italy in the final, uh, with Japan taking the bronze medal from France. Uh, Dave, uh, Korea, we've talked about over the last few Men's Epe ep- episodes. Uh, we were waiting for them to come good, and they certainly did in Canada. Uh, I mean, unbelievable. Just, you know, talking about shaking up the table. And, I mean, this is a team that lost to to Hong Kong in the last 32 in Heidenheim to then, you know, plough through the field. You know, and, and it, But it's also small margins. You know, they had a last 16 match against uh, China that I was really looking forward to. Obviously went down to a decisive touch uh, that Korea got the best of. Uh, and then going through and winning, winning the competition, taking out some big names along the way. Uh, and, and now they're in it. I mean, you've got to say they're favourites to um, their favourites to to qualify. It's just fantastic. I noticed there was a little bit of a change around in the team as well. It was uh, An Sun Ho, Kong Jae Sun, Park Sang Young, and Song Jae Ho in the lineup. So perhaps not uh, the one that we've become completely familiar with in recent times. I mean, they had to do something. It just wasn't mm. working. I think you know we've been a bit of a broken record with this Korean team. <laughs> yeah. uh, so oh, come on, they're coming good at some point, right? Uh, and, and it, you know, this is, this is yeah, just a very special, you know, fencing country. I mean, I've been refereeing men's epine, you know, at a world level for 12, 13 years now. I don't remember a time when they haven't been strong. We just had this, you know, six month anomaly where they just haven't, haven't done well at all. Um, and really obviously been out, out competed by China at every step of the way that's changed and a big, big win in Vancouver, um, means that we've now got a lot to talk about in men's epe teams. Yeah, well, let's let's start with, the, with what the result has done for Korea itself. It's launched them above China. Is that, is that correct? Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, so and, and substantially as well. So they're now 24 points above China on the rankings and China have been ahead of them all, all, um, all qualification cycle. Uh, and, yeah, another sort of 21 points ahead of Japan. Uh, so, I mean, that's a pretty substantial lead, especially when their worst result, as we just said, was a last 32 in Heidenheim. So for, for those who don't, uh, as uh, obsessed with the rules as I am, you only count your best four out of five. So they don't need to count that, that horrendous result in Heidenheim. They can build off that. Whereas Japan, for example, their worst result so far is 25 points. I feel that's about 11th, I want to say. So they don't actually improve on their points total until they do better than 11th. Instantly, Korea could make the top four even Mm. by finishing 16th. And that is a huge amount of points. 
that is that's incredible, isn't it? From where we were talking about them last time to the fact that they could actually uh, knock out one of the European teams from the top four. But of course, if they do, that then opens up the the, the two way battle between China and Japan for the. Uh, for the Asian spot. Yeah, I was chatting with. Um, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't in Vancouver. I was in Barcelona, and I was chatting with uh, with Mr. Aubrey, and I was chatting with with the translator as well. And you know, it, it felt like it was they weren't they were unhappy because clearly they've given up their sort of pole position in the rankings when the, you know when they lost. So it was something that was in their hands, and now it's not in their hands. But you think, well, actually, if South Korea move into the top four. Then China are best placed for the same reason that their first or their worst result was a last thirty-two in in Paris at the start of the qualification season. Um, they really have the chance to well more than overtake Japan and become the best placed Asian team. So China need Korea to do well, um, but then if you're a European team, you don't want uh, you really don't want Korea to have a good day. There'll be a lot no. of there'll be a lot of matches. I think the whole way through. Um, working out what, what the different permutations are. And we'll be looking at four or five different teams. It's quite fun. And well, you, you mentioned the impact it can have on the European teams. Fourth place for France is uh, under their usual high standards. Yeah, not not quite there. Um, again, I think they've got to, just got to work out who their, who their four are. I think probably Geron is, is, you know, after, you know, good, good results in the individuals is certainly back. Uh, so that probably means that Canon is is not going to fence, would be my guess. Um, I mean, it's men's FA teams. You can't be expected to win every competition. Uh, but, you know, they are they're, they're world number one by, by some distance. Uh, you just don't want to have these slip-ups when it, when it counts in, in Tokyo in a couple of months' time. Well, that's the thing. And, and to be fair to France, they lost to a, a resurgent Italy in the semi-finals. And... Uh, uh, the points look pretty spectacular to me. I mean, France miles ahead on three hundred and fifty-nine points, and Italy climbed into second on two hundred and seventy-six. Is there? Have we got a solution, an outcome for those two teams yet? Yeah. So they're both qualified, and Italy can't be caught by any of the um, uh, can't be caught by enough European teams to displace them. So they're not necessarily guaranteed to be in the top four, but there's no permutations where Italy would drop so far down to be not the best European team. And they did it as well, interestingly, without Marco Ficera as well, um, who's obviously an absolute machine for that team. Um, So congratulations for them. Uh, Great to have that sewn up with a World Cup to go. I know that they they partied pretty hard. Uh, And France, I don't think, were quite mathematically qualified, but they certainly are now. They're, they're, They're qualified. And I think qualified in first position is now guaranteed as well. So. Well, Switzerland uh, was a surprising day, actually, for them, uh, certainly from where I was sitting uh, in sunny Devon. Um, <laughs> they lost to Spain in the round of 16. Uh, they did recover to ninth going yeah. through the uh, the playoffs, beating Hungary quite importantly uh, on the way. Yeah. Um, so what, what what's Switzerland's situation as things stand? Yeah, so not technically qualified. So, you know, it would have to be a... You know, I spent some time on the on the spreadsheets you know, trying to work this this one out. Um, and if we had a, a well a result of you know Switzerland do, again doing poorly, you know finishing I don't know fourteenth or something, and it was Hungary gold, Korea silver, Ukraine bronze, that would actually move Switzerland out of the top four and below both Ukraine and Hungary for European places. So they're not technically qualified, but it would have to be a, 
it would have to be pretty unlucky, I'd say, not to not to make the cut. And what about Ukraine? They lost it. They made it through to the round of eight, uh, the quarterfinals, losing to Italy uh, and managed to finish sixth. So they lost the fifth place playoff. Uh, and and they're being they're still in the top four, but they're really being hunted down by South Korea, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is really what we're going to first look at. And for the same reason that Ukraine for Switzerland are qualified, Ukraine is certainly not qualified with Hungary and possibly Russia as well. If Russia have a good day, could, could come and disturb the party there. The real debate is who's that fourth, uh, who takes that fourth uh, top four result. And to be honest, it's almost advantage Korea, even though they're behind. So if Korea finish eighth, Ukraine would need to finish fourth. And it gets to like, if Korea is starting to look at like fifth, Ukraine need to be in the medals to maintain that place. And that's not so much for Ukraine. I think they're probably most likely going to be the better European team. But if you're Hungary or Russia, you really, really need Ukraine to stay in the top four. Otherwise, you're in all sorts of trouble. Yeah, interest, interesting uh, scenario for those European teams uh, that will be keeping an eye on Korea, that's for sure, at the next event. Uh, in the Pan Am zone, the USA actually ran France pretty close in the quarterfinals, but um, they can't be caught, surely, now? No, they're qualified. Well done. Well done. Um, I think it's actually, I was reading, it's the first time they've qualified in, in some time. Possibly Athens, I want to say, 2004. Um, generally the Pan Am zone in Menzepe has been dominated by Venezuela, um, mm. which makes sense. A couple of Lamado brothers plus, um, uh, uh, Silvio, uh, Fernandez would, would, you know, were, were by far the best team in that zone. Um, they sort of haven't really turned up to the table this time, Venezuela. So the USA, whilst not, um, outperforming, let's say have done, done more than enough to be the best team in their zone. And, uh, Egypt, well, they are still uh, fighting it out. They're not quite there yet, but they're sitting in 14th place in terms of the rankings. Uh, and if everything goes their way in, in Buenos Aires, the next the next team competition, uh, they should take the African spot, right? It feels like that, yeah. Again, they're doing everything they need to do. I mean, as we keep saying, if you're an African team, you need to win your zonals and then keep making the 16. And then you go to the Olympic Games, typically. Um, they keep doing that. Um, uh, I think, you know, interesting that they beat Venezuela as well. I mean, it just shows how, how far Venezuela have fallen. Um, but, you know, they've beaten Germany in previous competitions. It's not guaranteed uh, what we'd be really looking for. And you need quite a specific scenario where Spain, Estonia and Germany all need to make the 16 and Egypt needs to not make the 16. I'm just not... I wouldn't I wouldn't have that as a favorite scenario. I'd say Egypt are looking looking pretty certain. And they've done it all season. They I think they've won every single last 32 match they've had this season. So, fair play to them. Interestingly though, tell me if I'm wrong here, but Egypt are likely to face Venezuela if Venezuela turn up in Buenos Aires, which yep. they're very likely to do. So that's going to be uh well, a bit of a, a grudge match. They get, you know, the Venezuelans are going to want to uh right the wrong. I'd almost like to, I don't, I almost wish it was one of the teams that it'll be one of two. Let me just pull it up. So they will have either Venezuela or Estonia. Mm. So I'd say probably Venezuela is the harder team because mm. I mean, no, Novoslov's not fencing for Estonia anymore. Uh, yeah, I just don't, I think probably Egypt will be both those teams, to be honest. They're, they're, they're a good team. Doesn't surprise me. 
So there we have it then, after the results in Vancouver, uh, the Korean uh, big win has made uh, a big difference. Uh, the team situation as it stands uh, is France, Italy, Switzerland and Ukraine in the top four. Korea, Hungary, United States and Egypt holding the zonal spots. Dave, uh, first off, what's left in terms of qualification? Two comps left, Bash. Uh, we're going to get rid of our final GP and that'll be a trip to Budapest. And then the second B is Buenos Aires, and that's going to be an individual competition. And then after we do that individual competition, it's going to be the final team event. Um, so we'll have done all our individual fencing, and we're going to know uh, uh, we're not going to know which individuals have qualified because we're going to have to wait for the teams. And uh, for all fencing fans, what would you say are the, 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 the scenarios that we should be looking at? Yeah, so it's really how Korea do versus Ukraine. Um, is going to be is going to be a critical one. I'd want if to make sure for all your Max Heinzer fans, you want Switzerland to be doing well. I wouldn't want them to crash out early. Um, and then assuming that it's Ukraine are doing well and enough, that's uh, a Hungary versus Russia battle, which will be very interesting because Russia have got uh, they've been behind all season, but they're not they're not down yet. Yeah, so uh, I'll certainly be keeping a close eye on what Korea can do because if they can jump into that top four, it's. Uh... Well, after the after as you say, the six months that they've had to be in the position they are now, they could do some serious damage to at least one European team. So. Yeah, if I if I was a betting man, I would say it will be Korea in the top four, Ukraine will qualify for the European place, and China will take the Asian place, and Hungary and Russia won't qualify. If I was if I was putting a if I was putting a pound on the line. Be interesting to see uh, as well, though. I mean, it's not a completely done deal for Egypt, so nope. you have to keep one eye on them as well. Absolutely right. They stay in the top 16 and pick up the African zonal spot. Okay, well, that's the team situation then. But, of course, there was an individual event in Vancouver. Um, just a little reminder, Bida and Vivian held the uh, provisional European spots. Yamada and Park held the provisional Asian spots. Romado, uh, Ruben Lamada gascon and Hussam Elcord held Pan-American and African zonal spots, respectively. Uh, good day in Vancouver for Baz Vavine of the Netherlands. He took a top spot, beating Sergei Bida, who's on great form at the moment uh, in the final. Ruben Lamado gascon of Venezuela picked up the bronze medal uh, along with uh, Bogdan Nikushin of Ukraine. So, Dave, how has that shaken up things up? I mean, let's start with the, the simple one. Let's start with Europe because... Vivian and Bida were holding those spots. They've extended their lead, right? Yeah, great for Baz. It's fantastic. Um, and obviously, Baz moved into that um, place and, and you know opened up that gap from uh, Zavotniak or uh, from Poland or Freelich from Israel um, from the Doha result. He's done even more with the um, with the win in Vancouver, um, and then you know sharing sharing the the, the stage with our world silver medalist uh, Sergey Bida. That's all great, but you know it obviously it comes down to where our um, where our team places are. So mm. if, um, you know, Baz gets into trouble, if Hungary don't qualify, because our world champion Siklozi is up there um, and ahead of him still, um, if Ukraine don't qualify, then Igor Reisland's ahead of him. Not by mm. as many points, 18 points, but Baz is going to need another, um, uh, sorry, 12 points, but it's Baz is going to need another big result to, to, to chase Reisland. Um, assuming Igor doesn't get a great result. Uh, so... That's that's the real hope is that Baz is hanging out for uh, you know an all European top four, and then he's he's effectively qualified. He, there's no one else even close. Is sort of the situation in Europe, so it's pretty comfortable for Baz. 
um, otherwise. But uh, yeah, I mean that that concern that that, that that career move into the top four is real, and then and then he's probably got a European zonal competition to tackle, which mm. I, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it's 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 critical now to to think about uh, the results that uh, all these individuals vying for uh, the qualification route through the individuals do in, Bu- in Budapest at the uh, Grand Prix. That's a, a sort of huge competition now. Yeah, exactly. One and a half points, and it's really the last chance for last chance for a few fences. Uh, mm-hmm. If they don't if they don't get a good result, then you know you just don't at the last World Cup. You just don't have a chance. So yeah. Uh, yeah, lots, lots to play for. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, so just in case it wasn't completely clear, uh, Bazavine sits in second place still in the European zonal places with Sergei Bida leading the way. But Bavine, uh is going to be keeping a close eye on Korea at last World Cup in the team competition because if they were to jump into the top four, his second place is at risk from two fences from Hungary and Ukraine who currently sit above him but are ruled out of the zonal route because they currently qualify as teams. Um, I hope that's as clear as mine. Uh, <laughs> let, let's... Uh, move on to uh, the Asian zone then, Dave. Uh, Yamada stays top with a top 32 finish, uh, but Park Sang-yong, his Korean team are now provisionally qualified, so he's no longer counted uh, in the individual ranking. He's removed from that adjusted Olympic ranking, uh, and that opens the door up for a Kazakh fencer, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, as you say, Bash, Park Sang-yong, our Olympic champion, doesn't need his individual place anymore, given that career have moved into the Asian places. So, yeah, Ruslan Kurbanov um, from Kazakhstan is is the best-placed uh, Asian fencer and, and actually by some distance as well. His, um, uh, we'd be looking at uh, sort of 16, 17 points back for the nearest Chinese fencer, uh, which would be Wang or Alexanin from Kazakhstan oh. is down there. Uh, that's, this is, that's a great scenario for um, uh, for the chasers. Not, not so good if you're from China, but, again, there's a lot to um, – a lot can change. A lot can change there. Um, I mean, we needed to see a bit more out of uh, Minobe or uh, or Ryama, and we didn't. I mean, Minabe made the sixteen, which is uh, you know a good result, but not enough. Uh, he's still you know best part of forty points behind um, Yamada, so uh, a bit more to do there, I think, and it needs to be in Budapest. Yeah, again, important for uh, that Asian zone. Well, here's a quick one for you, though, Dave, just uh, while we talk about Kazakhstan uh, and Ruslan Kurbanov. Do you think that in any uh, dream or hope that Kurbanov would have thought he would be in this position? Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, he's, um, if I'm not wrong, he has fenced, has he fenced in the Olympics before? No, maybe not. But he's... um. No, he's been around a while. Um, he'd been sort of late twenties, early thirties. I think he he's been Asian champion before. Like he's a good fencer. Like I've been refereeing him for a long time. Um, just looked it up. No, no Olympics. Um, but no, he he he'd be one of the guys you'd think of. That's for sure. You need. It's always with you know these sort of. I mean, speaking as someone who comes from a peripheral country in the uh, Asian Oceania zone, you know we tend really do well. Or the, you know, the second tier countries tend to do well if there is a lot of teams qualified. Yeah. So if you do get a couple of Asian teams qualified, then absolutely. Um, I'm not surprised at all. He's a, he's a nice guy, a good fencer, um, and he's got, you know, he's got results in the past. Uh, doesn't surprise me at all. 
Well, we'll see if uh, the man from Almaty can make it through. Uh, and so we have one more uh, zone to look at, and that's Africa. Why don't you take that one away, Dave? Oh, I mean, don't, don't need to say much, Bash. It's a, <laughs> a, it's a Hassan McCord all season. He, he only actually made the provisional uh, 64. He didn't make it through to the final day, but... Um, but it's more than enough to keep the lead, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and especially with Egypt that's in uh, in the places, there's absolutely nothing to worry about. So there we have it. Uh, after the Vancouver Men's Epe World Cup, Sergei Bieder of Russia and Basra Vollen of the Netherlands continue to hold the European spots. And Masaru Yamada of Japan keeps his provisional zonal spot. And it's Ruslan Kermanov of Kazakhstan who moves into second place as Park Sang-Yung's career. Uh, currently provisionally qualified through the team route. Ruben Lamada Gascon continues to hold the Pan-American spot and Hussam El Kord holds the African spot. Uh, Dave, we've already said it, but just remind everybody where, where we are going next for both the uh, individual and the team competitions. Yeah, so uh, individuals uh, will be uh, the GP in Budapest. I think that's a uh, uh, around the first or second weekend in March, and then it's all happening in the middle of March at the final World Cup of the season in Buenos Aires. Very exciting stuff. Well, that's Men's Epe wrapped up. Uh, we'll next be talking about them, as Dave says, after the Budapest Grand Prix 6th to the 8th of March. Thanks to you, Dave, as always, and thanks to all of you for listening. We'll be back soon with more podcasts.